for me to implement the change that I want, which is to get more powerful at 225 and move that bar as fast as I can, I shouldn't be training at 225. I should be training at a, a weight that I, I really can't move that fast. And I should be training at no weight where I'm moving faster than I can even on my own. Welcome in to the Train With The Best podcast, a podcast by fit pros for anyone who loves the world of fitness and wants to understand it better. I'm Craig Hoffman, personal trainer, performance coach, and media personality. And I'm Chris Gorez, a 15-year strength and conditioning coach, master trainer, and international educator. Chris, today on the show, we have not one, but two topics, both very interesting for the fitness world. One, definitely more for our fit pros in the audience who are in the performance training space. And actually, really, both are in anyone... Both are in the performance training space. One is kind of for anyone who is interested in performance training and some new research and some things that you've been diving into around the force velocity curve. But we're actually going to start talking a little bit about the NIL. And for those going like, wait, the, na- the, the college football and basketball thing, name, image, likeness? Yeah. It actually is a huge topic in the strength and conditioning world because all of a sudden athletes, college athletes, who we've been training in the strength and conditioning world for years – and who have been paying us for years are coming into facilities like, hey, do you want to sponsor me? Do you want to pay me to work out here? And I know for someone like you, who is very well known in this space, in in the sports performance space, who has a name, who has a long resume of athletes that you've trained, I know this is something that, that you're having to consider and have been talking about with your team at Onyx about how you're going to approach college athletes uh, and, and your training with them moving forward. Yeah, and I think this is something that's coming up, especially in the summertime. A lot of the college kids are home. They're looking for places to train. And, and even it came up with, with us because we had a kid who has been training with us since he was – even before he was in high school, he's been training with us. And now he's a, he's a pretty big-time college basketball player. And, you know, he, he comes back, and we do what we normally do, right? There's, not, there's nothing, like, different about what we're doing here. But, you know, we take pictures during the session and stuff like that. And, and, and the mom was like – um, hey, you know, just so you know, if you're going to take pictures, then we have to talk about an NIL. And that kind of took me back. And, you know, for, for me, you know me, I'm always going to try to be as pragmatic as possible. I'm always going to remove emotion from the situation and the decision making and try to be fair to all parties. So I tried to learn as much as I possibly could about how the NIL is working, how other people are using it and all those other things. Because, frankly, from a business standpoint, you're not going to survive giving out NIL money. You, you certainly don't have it in your budget to, to pay a kid 20, 30, 40, 50 grand a year to come and work out for you. That's just not how it works. That doesn't work for us. It might yeah. work for a car dealership. If, if you have Bryce Young and, and he's going to advertise your car dealership, cool, you can sell a couple cars. You'll make that money back. Um, that's not how it's going to work here in the, in the training space. We don't have 40, 50K to, to give to a kid. Frankly, like even even if it was a pro, we don't have forty fifty k to sponsor a pro. That that we're we're not going to get that type of money back. And 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 for fairness to that mother and to that family, it's like, listen, you're probably worth this money. You're just not worth it to us. You know what I mean? Well, and they're right. That's that's what a market. And like to me, that's the, when I look at this from like the sports talk angle. This is something that I've talked about a lot. And even before nil was a thing, but like the idea of nil coming into play in college athletics is. There's the market because it is new 
hasn't settled yet. And right. like I always knew that when the NCAA let go of the reins, there was going to be a couple of years where everyone went nuts. Where it's yeah. like we can pay people now. And you have people coming out of the woodwork and boosters and, you know, people that have kind of been doing this underground for a long time that are now like, we get to do this above ground. Let's party. Right. And until the market set, but like what was not going to happen is some massive sea change for ever because five years in, six years in, 10 years in, they're not going to want to keep paying kids. Like eventually the money runs out. Like, and you go, is this a good investment? Is this, is this worth it to me? Yeah. And so the money that happened when it was under the table, which let's be very clear. A lot of stuff was happening under the table is just very different. And I think the value piece piece is what's really important to like this conversation. And, and like the fitness side of it is like from a business perspective, your training services to college athletes are very valuable. To give that away in order to hopefully make more on that, you're speaking to a very limited market. Right. And so unless you have some crazy hotbed of talent where there's a bunch of kids available that are willing to pay, you're never going to get that return on investment. Now, is it worth it to be known as a place that trains college and pro athletes? Yeah, because a bunch of high school kids will pay for that. But is it worth 40 to 50 grand in training that you're going to make back and then ultimately more than that that you're going to have a return on the investment that's positive no way yeah absolutely not like look there's there's been very few athletes in the history of the ncaa like you could point to somebody like a zion williamson who might be worth something like that where like he's zion williamson is actually selling shoes at the time that he's at duke right like there's there's been some personalities like that but unfortunately for for duke and nike who's selling adidas shoes because he blew out the nike one right but for the most part, most athletes aren't moving product, right? Like people, people aren't going to the stores and buying product because their favorite athlete endorses it or whatever. Now, it's different. What has happened in the NIL is, is you've created opportunities for somebody like the Cavender Twins who play basketball, but they have a legitimate business and following that they've built through social media, whether it's TikTok or YouTube. So they've signed million-dollar deals with these media companies because they actually have a legitimate business that they've built up. You know, I can think of um, the kicker who is known as D-Loading, who's a YouTuber now. He was a kicker at UCF, and he stopped kicking because he was like, look, I make way more money on YouTube than I, than I probably would ever make on the NFL. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to stop kicking. So, so now we have those opportunities where, you know, the, the, that's, that's one side of the NIL. The other side of the NIL is like what you said. A lot of those backroom deals that were happening before are just now happening um, out in the open. Where especially you know, with the car dealerships, right? The car dealerships, the boosters for the schools that's going to pay a kid a certain amount of money, and you know if you're going to come to Alabama or Texas A&M, then here's what you're going to get. And then you have other NIL deals, which is what we're working on now. Um, you know, because again, I wanted to be fair. If if there's an opportunity for somebody to to help make themselves money and make us money, sure, we can partner in that, or we can we can bring you on as an ambassador. Skills has done this as well. You can be an ambassador for a brand, and anybody that uses your code. So, I mean, full disclosure, this is how you and I work with some of the brands that we're sponsored by, right? Right. We have exactly. ambassador codes where, hey, you use this code, you're going to get credit, and we'll we'll pay you for that. That's a that's an easy nil deal to set up right? right it's it's a revenue share model versus Correct. like if you bring us extra money then you that's get easy some of that money yeah uh, but we're not going to pay you up front that's exactly right to represent yeah. us and by the way that gets an interesting conversation as well and like when we were smaller we had some deals like this where there wasn't even a rev share it's like yeah we're, we have like 
uh, we've done like four episodes. If you give us free stuff, we'll talk right. about it on the podcast, right? Like yeah. in, that, in that same way, like obviously in a much more mature level, if you're willing to give your services for free to a higher profile college athlete, that I feel like I could justify if I was trying to build a brand and a reputation as a place where high level college athletes trained, right? Like if you are like, hey, insert athlete here, come, I, we will train you. You won't have to pay for it. But we're going to get to use, like, we get to do take the pictures and the videos in the session and put it on our social media. And that is how we'll get a fair marketing agreement. We're not going to pay you any extra cash. You're going to save money by the fact that you're not paying me, a very highly compensated trainer in every other circumstance, for my services. And thus, it is a win-win for both parties. Now, obviously, each individual trainer out there, and I'm not putting that on, on you because right. you're, with your 15 years of experience... I would probably look at a kid and be like, nah, if you want to train with me, you're going to have to pay. And frankly, where I'm at, I'll be like, nah, like maybe I'll give you a discount. Um, and depending on how big their Instagram following is, maybe. But like my time is worth money and I'm going to do that. But if you are a little younger or you are really trying to hyper-focus into that high-level training element, I would I would think about trade as an option, not necessarily paying it, a kid. It's, it's very easy, a bunch right? Of money. It's very easy, right? Like the, the, the whole premise is, is hey like hey, I want I want a deal from you, I want a discount from you or I want whatever. And you know, be, because I train here, I'm gonna get you people. And it's very easy to be like, okay, get me people. Bring people mm-hmm. with you. We'll make it a group session and then we can discount this all across the board. You know what I mean? So so there there are ways to do this um where where everybody wins and you know at the at the end of the day it's it's the business side that you have to take care of so that you can get to the fun part, which is training. And then at that point, it's like, oh yeah, like why are we even talking about this? This is where I want to train. This is where I want to be. But right. you know, but but I just thought that I would talk about that because especially going into the summertime, I know a lot of gyms are dealing with it. I know a lot of college kids are coming home, and this is uh, especially for the football basketball players. This is a conversation. Um, so yeah, it's a conversation that's come up for us, um, and I'm sure again th- this is a conversation being had all over the country. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's it's complicated in a lot of ways, but in, in another way, it's like this is marketing. Like this is yeah. this is principles and stuff that gyms and everybody else have been dealing with forever. Uh, but then you got like Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher griping at each other because they're old. Yeah, that's a whole different. Change. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole different you know, thing. Like, Who are the kids in this equation again? And that's yeah. a. That's a different conversation for a different show, but yeah, ooh, buddy, y'all can y'all can grow up down there. That'd be that's right. That'd be good. Yeah. All right. When we get back here on the Train with the Best podcast, the force velocity curve. The phrase used to be "surf the curve." Why right? it might be time to stop surfing? What's next? The Train with the Best podcast is brought to you by Super Coffee. Right now, if you go to drinksupercoffee.com, use the code Train with the Best, you will get 25% off your first order. There's a lot to get at drinksupercoffee.com because there's so much you can do with Super Coffee. We've been telling you about the new Tasty Pastry Collection, blueberry muffin, caramel waffle, cinnamon roll, amazing new flavors. And what I don't think I've emphasized quite enough is you can have them three different ways. And they're delicious all three ways. First, you can just grab and go at room temperature. I know that sounds kind of weird because most beverages you want either hot or iced. And like the middle is this weird non like no fly zone. But really, super coffee is good enough. And it's so convenient to just like have a box sitting somewhere in a pantry, whatever. You just grab and go. And it's it's honestly delicious just the way it is. Or if you have a little extra time. 
you can ice it, put it over ice, or a little pre-planning, never hurt anybody, put it in the fridge, voila, there you go, cold super coffee, ready to go. But you can also have it hot. Microwave's great, delicious, hot coffee, flavored. Don't have to like microwave, then add a bunch of stuff. No, just pour it in a mug, put it in the microwave, bam, hot coffee. So no matter how you take your coffee, hot, cold, or yeah, even room temperature, go to drinksupercoffee.com. All their flavors, delicious, any of those three ways. Use Train With The Best for 25% off. The Train With The Best podcast is brought to you by Jaku. And the Jaku Speed System is the measurement device that we've told you about on a bunch of these ads. If you're new to the podcast, you've seen timing devices that get used at like the Olympic Games or any kind of track meet. And you've seen maybe even... FAT systems, that lap systems that allow you to train and time your your runs with lasers. And like that's cool and all, but they're very expensive. And the Jaku speed system is not very expensive. As they say, no measurement, no result. And so we all want to measure and see how fast we're going. We're talking about the force velocity curve here in just a minute on the podcast. How are you going to know if you're actually creating more velocity? You time stuff. So you use the Jaku timing system. It's a little watch and an app on your phone. The two connect and you set your distance, 100 meters, 40 meters, whatever it is. And you you run, you put your phone at the finish line. It captures when you cross. The timing device starts on your first movement and voila, there you go. Incredibly accurate timing. And it costs like a fifth of most, even the, the next cheapest one, Except for because the technology is so different and so proprietary, it's not that it is cheaper. It's not that it is cheaply made. It is that it is a better, more efficient technology. In fact, they probably could sell the thing for double and just not tell anybody, but they're not going to do that to you. And on top of this already incredible affordable price that's going to enhance your training in ways you can't even imagine if you've never used timing before, we give you an extra 20% off. Go to jaku.com slash discount slash TWTB and get the Jaku speed system. Jaku.com slash discount slash TWTB. Continuing on the Train With The Best podcast, I'm Craig, he's Chris. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, Chris, on Take Command, we've been doing this uh, this bit when I reset the show, the thing I just did. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's like, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or wherever you're listening right now. Because I don't know, some people could be listening on their non-favorite platform. I don't know why you do that, but perhaps. That's, I just want to give them true, credit. Yeah. Wherever you are, just subscribe, you know? Yeah, that's true. YouTube, YouTube is a good one. YouTube, yeah, we're we're not on YouTube for Take Command yet, but we are here, so make sure you subscribe and you can get either the, the bits and pieces, if you will, or the full show. Everything goes there, so make sure you subscribe. Uh, we, we do appreciate it. All right, um, force velocity curve. And the, the thought used to be, and, and conventional wisdom kind of was, you need to do a little bit of everything. You need to, to hit all points on the curve you need to do some stuff at max velocity. You need some stuff kind of in the middle, some stuff super slow, generate a lot of force, etc. cetera. The, uh, the, the thought about power production has changed. I will let you take it from here as someone who has, has looked deeply into this. Uh, I'm excited to, to hear how, one, what, what research piqued your interest in and why you thought that was like a tipping point to change, and two, how does it has really changed your programming? Well, I think there's a couple of things. So it's not necessarily that we don't do we don't use the middle of the curve. We just don't use the middle of the curve for adaptations, 
right? So when we're actually trying to create adaptations, we've got to be on one end or the other. So, you know, it, it's hard to illustrate this if you're listening on a podcast driving on the highway right now. But imagine that force velocity curve on the left of the curve is, is force on the on the X axis is, is your velocity. And then you have that slope that goes from top to bottom. Right. And then uh, the other line there is power. Right. So there's no power in the beginning. And then you have what looks like that Yerkes Dodson curve, that upside down U, where power peaks right in the middle it's of the parabola, slope. isn't it? Uh, yes, it's a parabola. I just wanted to say parabola. <laughs> it is. It is a parabola. Yes. Um, yes. So at the top of that parabola is is the peak power, and then it starts to come down as well, right? And then on the on the left end of that slope is maximum force. So if you want to maximize force, this is where you're going to do things like overcoming isos, which I've been playing a lot with, right? Do things like heavy ass deadlift, heavy ass squat bench, right? And then on the very Top end side of that, the velocity, right? That's your med ball throws, plyos, assisted plyos, things like that. In the middle is where um, kind of like your your Olympic lifts live and, and some of your, your other like ballistic strength, speed strength type of stuff live, right? Where you're trying to maximize power. So um, research has shown lately that like when you're trying to create adaptations in the muscles, the muscles don't necessarily respond to maximum power. They respond to either end. They respond to maximum force or maximum velocity, right? And this kind of goes back to the stuff that we, we test. So when we test an athlete for non-counter movement versus counter movement power production, we're looking at what's happening in that stretch shortening cycle. We're looking at if they're a strength-based athlete, if they're, if they're a velocity-based athlete, right? Um, so if there is not a huge gap in that non-counter movement to counter movement power implement, then we know we're going to be on that velocity side. We're going to do a lot of plyometrics. We're going to do some assist plyometrics, med ball throws, things like that. Whereas if there's a huge gap, then we're going to be on that strength side. Uh, and it makes sense. So now there's there's research out there to support that where, hey, like it's, it's good to work on the power to, to work powerful lifts. But the true adaptation is happening at this end of the curve and that end of the curve and not in the middle. So to kind of summarize, make sure I understand what you're saying here. Um, you either want to be able to like have the more capability to like lift heavy, right? Like you're, you're, you want your one RM, your five RM, like that super high strength end to grow and program around that. That will help right. increase ability. Or you want it on the complete other end where you're like, Hundred yard sprint or hundred meter sprints. Yeah, right. let me let me let me. Uh, and, let and if you if you if you raise one of those ends, your ability to produce power correct. across the entire curve will increase. Correct. So let's 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 put it this way, right? Let's 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 do this. Where we say we're, let's just use squats for example, since everybody can understand squats. Right. For some reason, as you said that in my head was your like multiple voices Instagram. It, it, it is. <laughs> it is. Let's that talk is, about squats. That actually is going on right now. So let's talk about squats. So um, a powerful squat, right? Let's say a powerful squat or power squat. Let's say we're trying to do um, like 225 pounds uh, and trying to move that as fast as you can. We've got a Tendo unit on it. It's measuring bar speed and we're going to get um, some sort of velocity-based measurement on this, right? So for us to increase that power output at 225, we're not training at 225. For us to actually 
um, increase that power output, which is our maximum output, we have to be either so far below that or so far above it that we're in a different, we're almost in a different phase or a different type of exercise, right? So again, that's why I like the overcoming ISOs at different angles, right? So that's when I would put myself underneath like the, the safety arms and try to push up against it where it's not going to move. And I'm holding those contractions for two seconds, three seconds at the most, maybe for a set of like three to four. Um, and then you have your assisted plyometrics, right? Your assisted plyometrics where it's an overspeed and, and you're jumping as high as you can with the assistance of a band or a TRX catapulting um, action with your arms, right? So for me to implement the change that I want, which is to get more powerful at 225 and move that bar as fast as I can, I shouldn't be training at 225. I should be training at a, a weight that I, I really can't move that fast. And I should be training at no weight where I'm moving faster than I can even on my own. That's how I implement that yeah. change. So in a way, it sounds like we're actually just manipulating the formula for force, right? Force mm-hmm. equals mass times acceleration. Yeah. Mass, the heavy stuff, acceleration, yeah. moving. And like you need to be able to either increase your ability to move mass or increase your ability to accelerate. Right. And if you just kind of live in the middle where you're not pushing either end, you're just kind of maintaining what you have. So like this makes sense on that level. And then you get down to the programming of how to best do it, um, which I like on the, the strength side too of like overcoming ISOs and things like that because that guarantees force production at a maximal level while right. also, by the way, maintaining safety versus like, let me see how heavy I can go on a 1RM. Right. right. Um, one thing that I did think was interesting, um, and this I think is a little bit of a side shoot of this conversation too. I saw a really great post the other day from Lee Boyce, who's a trainer out of Toronto, mm-hmm. or as they call it in Toronto, Toronto. Uh, and we, I thought you, I thought you were going to say the six. No, I'm not Drake. <laughs> anyway, the point is Lee talked about like, Hey, if you have a 500 pound squat, which obviously is very yeah. heavy, but let's say you, you are one of these Supreme athletes who has a 500 pound squat. Um, but this is true at a 300 pound squat, whatever, 225, 185, whatever your, your max is. Are you better off trying to go, for 505 or 510 or and like progressive overload right or are you better off trying to get 500 for two if you were really truly stuck at 500 for one and he's like i think it's way more impressive and you you're obviously being able to generate more force if you do 500 for two versus 505 for one yes it's still progressive overload but like your your capacity to move more weight uh, actually in, is going to increase more by d- trying to work towards 500 for two. Right. And I thought that was interesting and kind of plays into that of like, when we think about how to maximize the strength side of it, uh, especially, I think that's something we need to consider because we so often push for like such a marginal improvement, a very small percentage movement, especially as the weight goes higher and higher, a five pound increase becomes significantly less in terms of percentage that you're actually growing versus if you were to double the number of reps from one to two, you were always going at 200%. Right. True. True. And, and I, would, I would take that even further, right? So Lee Boyce has some great stuff. If you don't know who Lee Boyce is, go find him, read his stuff. The other person how I would tell you to or encourage you to follow and read his stuff is Matt Rhea. And, and, and Matt has said, look, like 
the more that he's in it, and, and Matt has been in Indiana, he was at Alabama, he's done all kinds of great stuff. The more that he's in it, the more he realizes that maximum strength isn't the quality that we're really looking for. The, max, the, the quality that we're really looking for, the quality that we're really training for is maximum power. How much power can we produce and how instantly can we produce it, right? So if maximum power is the goal, again, you take a look at a 500-pound squat, is your goal to reach 505? Is your goal to reach 500 for two? I would say for me and our athletes, it's neither of those. For me, it's always going to be velocity-based. So if I know that I can produce uh, five, if I know I can lift 500 pounds in a squat, all right, how many watts does that equate to, right, when we're, when we're measuring the bar speed? And if that equates to 4,000 watts, can I now produce the, that 4,000 watts at 400 pounds instead? Or can I do it at 300 pounds instead? And if I am, if I am dropping off, how far am I dropping off, right? And this is where elite athletes really live because elite athletes, for them to maximize their power, they don't need as much of a stimulus. Whereas novice athletes or beginner athletes, they need more load to be able to produce more power. Whereas expert athletes, elite athletes don't need as much of that resistance and they can still produce a lot of power. They can maximize their power without having to go so high in their load. And that's and that's really if you're if you're training athletes, that's really what we're looking for. As uh, was said in a very early episode of this podcast, one of the tenets of this podcast when it comes to performance training, there are no bars on the field. There are no bars so on the field. It, and so at the end of the day, like that's the goal. I remember, you know, early in my career and, and we were talking about like Kaiser squats and stuff and like you're kind of teaching me how to use all that equipment and you're like, This is the goal. The goal is not to go from a 200-pound Kaiser squat to a 250-pound Kaiser squat. And if you're lucky enough to have Kaiser equipment, like this is in your training for power, like this is how you use it. Like you do not try to go for a 250-pound Kaiser squat when you were doing 200. You try to generate more power at 200 uh, or 150 or whatever it is that your weight is. And I think that gets back to like how do you actually do that? Well, what you do is you maybe do a 500-pound ISO that you can't actually move on the Kaiser squat and do those max efforts. And then can you drop it down uh, or actually get out of the Kaiser squat machine and do assisted jumps and and that same movement pattern um, generating even more velocity. And again, that's truly like the velocity at that point. We're not talking about the force because you have the band that is assisting you with the force you were naturally generated to move you faster than you could by yourself. And you are training both your muscles and your brain to allow you to go that fast and to generate that velocity. You put it back together at, let's say, 200 pounds on that Kaiser squat. Now you've generated more force or more mass, uh, the ability to move more mass and the acceleration piece, generate more force and up goes your wattage. That's right. The Train With The Best podcast is brought to you by Momentus. Momentus provides the absolute best recovery tools that you could think of because they provide things that help you sleep and help your body heal. So whether you're a runner, a weightlifter, both another kind of athlete, you need to have a regimen of supplementation to maximize your performance. Here's what Momentus offers. One, elite sleep. It's a supplement that you take every single night that no matter how much you sleep will help you get more out of your sleep. Things to supplement that, magnesium, vitamin D, best taken before sleep. Get up in the morning, take your multivitamin, 
on your way. About 30 minutes before your workout, you take a momentous collagen shot or a little mini shake with some collagen in it. And then when you're done, you recovery protein. And you can get that all from Momentus, and it's all going to be the highest quality available of all of those supplements on the market. And by the way, I didn't even mention their secret weapon, the PR lotion. You got to try it. It's truly amazing. So how do you get your hands on all this good stuff? Simple. You go to livemomentous.com, you throw it all in the cart, and then when you get to the checkout page, you enter the code Train with the best 25 and then it all comes to you at 25% off. And guess what? If you did it right, you set up a subscription order. Then it's going to come to you on a regular basis. You don't even have to remember to order it, and you'll never run out. And those refill orders, they're not full price. We didn't get you. No, those are 15% off each and every time. Train with the best 25 at livemomentous.com. Get your regimen up and going and watch your performance take off. The Train with the Best podcast is brought to you by BlazePod, the number one reaction training system for all levels of sports and fitness. What does that mean, reactive training? Well, it means that BlazePod, what it actually is, what is a BlazePod? It's a light that can be programmed to light up any number of different colors. It can be on touch. It can be on random time intervals, you can program this series of lights in a variety of ways to do reaction training, to provide a visual stimulus for your athletes to do any number of movements. Could you have them slide to the the light? Yes. Could you have them slide to the light if it's blue and run if it's red? Yes. Could you have them slide if it's blue, run if it's red, and not react at all if it's green? Maybe even run the other direction. You could. You could do all of those things. And That's what's great about it. It's great for all levels of complexity. It could be as simple as touch at something that lights up. It could be decision-making. It could be used, I mean, literally. The possibilities are endless. And if you download the BlazePod app, it's got pre-programmed ideas. It also gives you the ability to create your own. It's just the perfect visual stimulus reactive training system. It's why we love it so much. We were using it before they were an advertiser, and now that they're with us, we can't wait to share BlazePod with you. So much so that we got a discount for you. Of course we do, hooking you up, 15% off. Go to blazepod.com, use the code TWTB at checkout. That's 15% off, blazepod.com. The code is TWTB. There's also something in there called rate coding, which is a, a whole nother topic probably. And, and I'll give my brief explanation for what I, the way that I understand rate coding. So rate coding in your muscles is getting all of those muscles to fire at the exact same time in the exact same direction, right? Because sometimes it can be a little bit like scattered, right? So if you think of um, for, for, for those who have kids like me or for those who just enjoy kids' movies like Finding Nemo, Right. There's a scene in Finding Nemo when all the all the fish have to swim down. They finally find Nemo. They're they're trapped in this like big net where the fishermen are, are pulling up this net of fish. And for for them to break that net, which obviously wouldn't happen in real life, but for for the the fish to break that net, all of the fish have to swim down at the exact same time. Because what's happening is the fish are swimming all over the place in all different directions that the net can pull them all up at the same time. But if all of those fish individually even though none of them are are strong enough to overpower a boat if they all fit if they all fire at the exact same time in the exact same direction swim down they're strong enough to overcome that boat right and that's kind of what you're going to get when you maximize effort even in overcoming iso when you maximize effort and velocity in an assisted plyo we're working on that rate coding a little bit 
where it's not just the physiology of the muscle itself, but actually the neurology of firing muscles as fast as you possibly can at the exact same time, at the right moment, in the right direction, that we maximize all the effort that you have. So there's a little bit of rate coding in there as well. Well, that gets to an issue. I don't know. Like, is this a whole different podcast of like, how do you do that? Um, you know, because obviously like that sounds great. And it's like, wow, we got to get our fish swimming in the same direction. But like doing that is a different, well, do, doing, that, well, doing that takes is that, practice. Is that, a, is that a whole other podcast or is that like, what's, what's the start it's, of that? Well, process? it's part, it's part of this right here. Like it's, it's part of like understanding like movement when we move something, it's got to be purposeful. Like the intent has to be there. Right. So, so much of what we're looking for is a maximum effort repetition, Right. And before we talk about this a lot, when we talk about like Vertimax training, so before for us to maximize effort, it was either you lift as much weight as you possibly can, or you lift any amount of weight, but you lift it for as many times as you possibly can. So it was either through intensity or volume. Now what we're saying is we know we can get maximum effort on these reps and still be within ATP CP production, which is four to six seconds, right? So we can, we can maximize our efforts, maximize every single rep without having to crap out with with a ton of reps and without having to lift a ton of weight, right? We can maximize effort through velocity. And when you're doing that, you are already working on that rate coding where the neurology has to kick in. The neurology has to match with the muscles to produce the force. Makes sense. Makes sense. You you look like you're, you're absorbing it right now. I am. I I mean, like, these are all concepts that I'm familiar with, right? Right, It's just like, you know, it's, it's clarifying and it's also like kind of where my mind goes on this stuff is like, how do I explain that to a client? Because like, we're nerds and that's fine. (laughs) We're, we're, we're good at it. That's why we're we're here. So, so, so the truth is you don't look, I'm getting a lot, like, for instance, I'm getting a lot of these kids coming in from, um, uh, Highland Springs High School, right? Shout out to Highland Springs, and they're coming in, and they want to to get in. They want to get stronger. They want to get faster. Like all they want to know is, is this going to get me faster? Yes, hundred percent, right? So you know when we're when we're explaining some of this stuff, and and you know honestly, for some of them, it can be a little bit of a relief because like all they've known is training in the middle of that curve, right? So we take them to this side of the curve, we take them to that side of the curve, and they feel the results almost immediately. Right. Like that's something that they can buy into. And then it's like, yeah, this is going to get me stronger. This is going to be faster. This is going to be more explosive. And I like training this way. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there, there's a lot of other science that goes involved that is involved when you're when you're giving those types of reps, when you're giving max effort, because there is that um, there is that feeling of that, that rewarding feeling of when you give something max effort. Right. Like, let's say you do a one RM and you PR. There's a rewarding feeling when you PR, right? Yeah. Because you've get you've given everything that you ha- that you could give, right? So now we can create a truly rewarding atmosphere, a rewarding experience during the workout where you're giving maximum effort. You're still getting plenty of rest. It doesn't feel like you're giving maximum effort because you don't want to die, right? But you're getting these results and you still feel fresh. And then you know it, you can see it translating into some of the other things that you're doing out there. Yeah, no, definitely. And that, and that I think is the ultimate reward. Cause like what we're really talking about is athletes. It doesn't have to be like a sport athlete, right? Like we could be talking about someone who's recreational. It doesn't have to be like someone who plays an organized team sport, but if you want this kind of training, it's going to be someone who is probably using it somewhere else. And though, so when they use that, that somewhere else, the recreational league, soccer game, their 
you know, whatever it is, um, their pickup basketball game, their whatever, they're going to notice the difference. Yeah, and, like, and, and you know what? And, and that's the thing is when the athletes come back with that feedback of like, oh, yeah, I was on the field. And, like, you know, obviously I, I've trained sport athletes as well. Like, they come back and there was like, yeah, that, that girl who – uh, with giving me problems last year, like I smoked her, and you're like, "Yeah, you did." Let's go. <laughs> well, I don't think I have any comments on that, but like, what 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 I will where say? Are your, though, where are your outside backs at? Where are your wingers at? <laughs> what what I will say is like the when you train this way, and and when we get into the rate coding and the neurology, right? We can affect and change neurology a lot quicker that we can change the actual physiology of a muscle, right? So if we can teach somebody how to fire better or we can teach somebody how to activate better and we can teach somebody how to produce power with what they already have, results are going to come faster. So the next time they get out there, again, we've done so many maximum effort repetitions. They know how to give maximum effort and what that actually feels like, right? Now they're implementing that on the field. Within weeks, they're already feeling a difference, and it's like, oh wow, like I feel stronger. And you're like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't make you stronger, but maybe, maybe we helped a little bit with that rate coding and that neurology. Right. You don't need to add capacity. You need to use what you have, and that's something 100%. that you know. Whenever an athlete comes to me, that's one of the first things I talk about. It's like the first thing we're going to do is we're going to help you become more efficient, and so we're going to take whatever you got and we're going to get more out of it. And then we'll start adding to it. That's right. And that, that typically is pretty exciting because they're like, wait, I'm capable of more? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, off you go. Yeah. Um, so we'll do rate coding. We'll dive deep into that on a different on a different pod. But that was a great start to it. And, and the force velocity stuff is great. We'll post a little bit about that on our Instagram page as well this week at Train with the Best 21. Uh, other than that, that's our show. I hope you liked it. Uh, if you did, subscribe. Again, your favorite podcast platform or whatever one you're listening on right now. Uh, if you want more from us on Instagram, at Trainer Gores for him, at Craig underscore Hoffman for me. And uh, anything else, Chris? That's it. Game one of the NBA Finals starts tonight. Looking forward to it. Who you got? Uh, yeah, we're recording this on Thursday, uh, June 2nd, uh, which I guess people could have probably done deductive reasoning and figured out if they're not listening to this till next Monday at least because uh, game one of the finals. I got Golden State. I, yeah. think they're, I think they're the better team. But Boston's really good. Boston's really I'm just good. happy that I don't have to watch Kyle Lowry flop anymore. <laughs> Marcus Smart is the evolved version of Kyle Lowry, though. But he at least yeah, like but give me sense. the evolved version yeah. as opposed to the... Like at least when Marcus gets hit and flops, like there was actually typically contact where Kyle is just like, I throw my body into you. Please call a foul for me. <laughs> right. Hate it. Right. Hate it. That's a note to end on. All right. Uh, we'll <laughs> see you next week. Trying with the best podcast. Thanks for listening.